It's Monday, the 29th of November, 2021. We've been chanting, recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Now we've, uh, it's the time to train our minds in this practice and following this path which leads to the end of suffering. And so we all know about this noble path and this noble path that has eight aspects to it. But while we're practicing, we don't separate those aspects out. We don't think that now I'm training in samadhi, or now I'm developing mindfulness, or now I'm cultivating wisdom. We don't separate them out in this way. And we need to have sila there as well, this virtue, while we're practicing. And there also needs to be this right view, this view which is good, view which is correct. And what is it uh, that we see? What is it that uh, we uh, that view is correct about? Well, it's to do with dukkha, this stress or suffering. The dukkha which is there within our bodies, within our hearts. And so we know about this that when we gain these things, then we attach to them. And this attachment is the cause for this dukkha to arise. Attachment is that which produces, which manufactures dukkha. And so there's this craving, this attachment, and these are the causes and conditions for stress, suffering to appear. And so this dukkha doesn't just appear out of thin air, but it has causes and conditions which make it arise. And if those causes aren't there, or if those causes cease, then that dukkha must also cease. But when the causes and conditions are present, then that dukkha must arise. So this craving, clinging, tanha, upadana, these are the causes for dukkha to appear. So when we have right view, then we'll know that this dukkha, it's not self, it doesn't actually belong to us. But it's just that when the heart attaches, and through the power of ignorance, through the power of craving, then we take it to be ourselves. And so when this dukkha arises, then it's my stress, my suffering. And that's the result of ignorance and of craving. And so we don't really know the stress. We don't know about the cessation of it either. And so the cessation appears when we abandon attachment. When we abandon this attachment, then stress can't appear. The suffering can't arise. And that's what we call nirodha. And it's the end of stress, the end of suffering. And so when we let go, when we don't attach, we don't cling, then the suffering just can't arise. But in order to reach that point where we're able to let go, that too requires causes and conditions to be in place. It needs to be wise. We need to understand the Dhamma in order to be able to abandon this craving and this clinging. 
It's not that we just tell our minds, don't attach. We don't like this suffering, we don't want it to appear. And so we tell or demand that it doesn't come up. Because if we don't have enough energy uh, there within our mindfulness, there within our samadhi, then the mind just won't listen, it won't obey. And that's because this ignorance, craving and clinging has more energy to it than our samadhi and mindfulness. So when we have right view, then we'll perceive that the path out of suffering is this very way of sila, samadhi and panya, of virtue, collectedness and wisdom. We have the right view to see that it's a that we don't engage in thoughts of ill will, or thoughts of harming others, thoughts of lust. Because if we have these and we attach, then suffering arises. But it's the way of not getting involved in liking or disliking, that is the path to freedom from suffering. So when we have wisdom, when we have right view, then our thoughts will be correct as well. And we can come and look at this body, at this mind, and see what they're doing. Is our speech correct? Is it right? And that's something that we should look at uh, many times a day. In the morning we can look at this, and... uh, Later on in the morning, we can look at it at midday, in the afternoon, in the evening, at night. Looking at our minds, looking at the way that we're speaking. Is it right? Is it correct? Are our actions correct? And so if our speech and our actions are correct, then these are moral, these are virtuous uh, speech and actions. And that's sila, isn't it? And so when we cultivate this sila, this uh, virtue, and we've done that already, and then we come to look at our minds. And we see how these minds are always thinking. They're never really still. They don't have much peace to them. But we have mindfulness there, knowing that. And we also know that we need to put in effort to have this right effort because we're only able to gain freedom from suffering due to the effort that we put in. So during the space of just one day, uh, there are often many, many thoughts that go through the mind. And much of this is unskillful. This is akusala. These are demeritorious or harmful. And so we should abandon these And the way of abandoning them, there are two ways of doing that. One is to change the object of the mind, what the mind is paying attention to, and use a skillful thought instead in its place. And so we can think uh, the meditation words of Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha, or we can go through the chant of Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, and go through this 108 times. And through that, then the unskillful object of the mind should go, because the mind's only able to stay with one thing at one time. But if we have good mindfulness, 
and we um, see that there are these unskillful thoughts that are going on, and then we also know that we shouldn't attach to them. And if our mindfulness is good, then we'll be able to, to abandon that, we'll be able to teach our mind in that way. And so we try to stay with our meditation object, meditation word, and keep this with our minds. And in doing that, that's putting effort into not allowing unskillful states to arise. And when, if they do arise, then we try to abandon them, we put an effort in that way. And this is also cultivating samadhi through the use of meditation words of these mantras, bringing the mind to solidity, to firmness. And this is something that's very meritorious and skillful. And so we abandon all bad kama, and we try to cultivate good kama, and we do this a lot. And there are many, many ways of creating good kama as merit. There's that of generosity, there's the virtue that we keep, there's the chanting that we do, listening to the Dhamma, having conversations about the Dhamma, studying the Dhamma, contemplating the Dhamma. We can bring up a sense of joy and rejoicing in the goodness that we see other people doing. Or we can uh, cultivate a heart of kindness towards others and rejoice in the good things that other people experience. And so the higher form of merit is that of bhavana, meditation or mental cultivation. And this is something that is very high, very lofty. And so when we train ourselves in this way, then we're putting effort into looking after this mind, trying to keep it with skillful objects. And then we try to train it so that it comes together, it collects and becomes firm in samadhi. And so we need to cultivate a clear understanding that the reason for cultivating samadhi is to bring the mind to peace. And there are many different methods, ways of doing this. And we can use wisdom to bring this about as well, to calm the mind down. If the mind is thinking a lot, and we try to just look at the breath or just stay with the word buddha, then perhaps the mind feels that it just doesn't like that, it doesn't want to stay with those things. And we have the impression that those are samatha objects, objects to bring peace, but what we really want is wisdom. And so in this case, perhaps we're meditating, but the mind is just thinking, it's scattered. And so we should use wisdom to cultivate. We can look into the body, for instance, and seeing the body as being a heap of change of inconstancy, being a heap of pain or stress, being a heap of not-self, or a heap of unattractive things. And we can look at just one of these aspects, or perhaps initially we contemplate all three or all four of them, and then as we're contemplating, then the mind that was initially scattered and restless, it becomes more and more settled and peaceful. And when the mind has settled into peace, then we start being able to understand the Dhamma. 
the body grows buoyant, the mind gets very light, and the body starts turning empty, and the mind turns empty as well. And so when we feel these things, when we gain these things, we should understand that these are the results of our meditation, the results that we gain from samadhi and from contemplation. As the mind settles more into peace, and then this emptiness comes up, and this turns more and more profound. So this is the way of using wisdom to train the mind so that it settles into samadhi. And then through this we can experience uh, tatanga vimuti, uh, temporary liberation. And even though it's temporary, it's something that we should try to bring up very frequently. There are other people, however, who don't really like to think very much. Their minds are naturally quite still, and they want to deepen this stillness. And so they can just come straight away and look at the breath and focus at the sensations at the tip of the nose, or perhaps have mindfulness um, at the chest area, or in the forehead, or at the top of the head, the crown of the head. And there are many of these different places where uh, the mind can really gather together firmly at those places and come into samadhi there. And then we can recite buddho, dhammo, sanko, or just buddho as well, along with the breath. But what's important is that we have confidence in the method that we're using. And some people wonder, well, what's better? What about uh, buddho, dhammo, sanko? What about uh, the way of repeating uh, rising, falling, rising, falling? But we should understand that all of these methods are for the sake of inner peace. And why do we need to use them? Well, it's because our minds are restless, because they're not peaceful. And when they're not peaceful, then we simply can't understand the Dhamma. We're not able to enter into the Dhamma, we're not able to see the Dhamma. But when the mind settles down and it becomes more still, and then we'll be able to see this. Perhaps we'll look at things outside and we'll perceive the Dhamma there. So everyone who sees the Dhamma needs to have a peaceful heart. So some people wonder that during the time of the Buddha, why was it so easy for people to gain peace then? Well, that's because they've already developed a lot of their bharami, these spiritual qualities. And so they're able to gain peace very quickly. For us, we shouldn't doubt about the meditation words that we use. Whatever we like, then we should use that, we should apply that. Whatever meditation word or mantra brings the mind effectively to peace, then we should do that a lot. But if we doubt that, if we doubt um, whether Buddha is right, and so then we change to another object, and then we doubt that, and the mind isn't peaceful, and then we change again, and then this makes it all very slow. 
And it's when the mind isn't peaceful that these doubts come up. And so if we're always doubting and changing, then our practice gets very slow, and that's because of these doubts. But if we don't have that doubt there, um, then the mind will more easily be able to settle into stillness. And so we see that the reason that we have these defilements is because of this liking and uh, disliking. It's because of the attachments that we have. Attachment to liking, attachment to disliking. But what's there in the middle, in between, that we don't see? And the space in the middle between liking and disliking, that's where we should try to bring our minds to. And we should try to give energy to that and uh, bring energy to our samadhi. And when we understand that clearly, that point clearly, then the mind becomes empty. So it's like how we can see the floor and we can see the ceiling, but the space in the middle, we don't see that. And so liking and disliking, these are things that we know already. But where there's no liking and no disliking, that's something that's very good and something that we should come to understand. Because when we like something, the things that we gain, or the praise, the status, the pleasure that we gain, um, that is also of the nature to change. And when it changes, then that becomes the cause uh, for disliking to arise. And so we, when we gain these things, then we have fear, we have anxiety, worry. So we should come to train ourselves in samadhi. And we can use wisdom to bring that about. We can use peace first as well. And through doing this, then we'll be able to gain a clear understanding of the truth, of how this body is something that's of the nature to change, how it's stressful, how it's not self. And so we should set our hearts on this and do this consistently as well. And really firmly put our efforts into training in this life so that we can see the Dhamma in this life. And so may all of you set your hearts on this.